welcome back to the Content That Grows podcast. I'm joined today again by Derek Flint, our marketing manager at 10Speed. What's up, Derek? Hey, hey, happy to be here. So we're uh, going to continue along this process. Definitely would recommend checking out prior episodes. We've gone through you know, understanding ICP, building topic roadmaps, creating quality content, a uh, number of, of areas around the just the entire process of, of creating a, a content program that that helps grow your business. So um, today we're jumping in, in this episode, we're really gonna cover all things content distribution and repurposing content. So again, uh, feel free to check out the prior episodes in season two uh, for additional context kind of leading up to this. Uh, but then for today, we'll kind of build on that. So uh, jumping right in, I think Derek, let's get started and just kind of run through um, really kind of what some of the overall benefits of content distribution. Yeah, so when I started prepping for this, I was kind of thinking like, I don't really know of any negatives for content distribution unless you were straight up <laughs> just had bad content that lied about your product. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest benefits overall for repurposing your content and distributing, distributing it over and over again um, really come down to one, uh, more reach. So bringing that message back to life over and over again, and potentially bringing content back to life over and over again, if you're sharing a link back to it. Yep. Um, you know, diversification of your channels with which you can market. Um, so if you're using video, you can probably use short clips on social, you can get on YouTube, that kind of thing. Um, if you've got a blog, you obviously can share it on social media and like different clips of that. I think it also helps with syncing your messaging across all those channels. Um, so whether your company is continuing to work those across channels, um, that means your different, you know, departments or teams have consistent messaging. And then we all know that like we're encouraging our, you know, coworkers and teammates to share. So that also keeps them in alignment with, with your brand, your company, um, backlinks, I think, uh, SEO is a major part of what we do, so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the potential that backlinks yeah. have when you're constantly distributing that content. Um, it just allows for you know that share to get amplified, move about, and other people to cite you. And then I think authority and attention from leadership within your industry is also critical. Um, I think we can point to a lot of people, and, and if you're listening to this, you can think of people within your own industry that you sort of admire and likely you've associated with them with like a very specific niche within your own industry because they just keep hammering home the same point over and over again, maybe with different positioning, but um, that does a lot for a company um, in giving them that notoriety with their product and their team. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think it's, um... I, yeah, I agree. I think there's not like a lot of downsides to doing it, uh, as you said in the beginning. But it certainly there's it, it, there's such an impact that that can have. You know, obviously it's great if you can create content. It can rank in search and you know continue to drive organic traffic over time. Um, that's fantastic. But you are still sort of dependent on the people searching whatever those queries are that are, are matched to that content. And so there's so many more ways that your content can be impactful and get in front of people that wouldn't necessarily 
be searching for that, but it's still effective. And so I think uh, love kind of what you laid out and just the additional reach to the authority, all of that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think I would also add that um, if you're invested in SEO and you're creating that type of content within your, your company, one thing that we typically see is like the companies that really love to distribute that content ahead of time usually also start to see that sort of return on investment in whatever way, shape, or form earlier. So you're not just waiting on it. You put all this effort, expertise, time, uh, multiple members in your company worked on that thing. Yep. You don't have to wait for it to rank. You can actively start distributing that across all your own channels. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things we get, and so we should probably talk about this next, is um, you know thinking about like how, how do you choose your channels for content distribution? So maybe you want to start on that. Yeah. I mean, I think um, one of the biggest starting points with that is is understanding that you shouldn't you need to have focus and you should not try to do it all um you know there's a lot of even just social networks there's a lot of social networks um each one has a little bit of a different uh feel and style and audience and and like the type of content that makes sense there um but even outside of that you know other uh channels and formats uh vary quite a bit. So I think, you know, number one is really just understanding you do need to focus. You do need to be a little bit more specific. Um, so with that, I would say uh, a great starting point is just really doing the research to understand where your audience is um, and, you know, what, like, what content you have and where that fits. So, you know, if it's highly visual, uh, LinkedIn or Twitter might not make as much sense as something like uh, Instagram or maybe even TikTok, depending on what you have. But also then understanding, well, where is your audience? Is your audience on LinkedIn? Is it, do they actually like, prefer, like within your space? Are there a lot of folks that love to subscribe to newsletters? Like understanding what it is. So fitting your content to the appropriate channel, but also understanding where your, your audience is. So um, tools like SparkToro can be super helpful for that and just kind of being able to do a lot of audience research. Um, um, so that I would say is a big point to, to factor in and knowing where to go. And then lastly, I would say you also have to be realistic about the resources that you have uh, in terms of like both like skill sets, time. So it's very easy to say, oh, you should just turn all of your blog posts into videos and in you know have clips and also post them on YouTube and do all this but like if you don't actually have the video production skill set um, or like the budget to do that or you know you're just working on a tighter time and just don't have the ability whatever it might be like it's you have to be realistic about what your resourcing is in terms of how you can actually distribute if you're creating social posts or any of those types of things. So I would say that's the, the biggest thing is focusing on um, uh, on a few specific and not trying to do it all, uh, understanding where your audience is and where your content best fits, and then uh, being realistic about the resources and, and skills that you have available to you. Yeah, I, I like the component about knowing your resources. Um, I think an additional part of that resources that like, I know Rand mentioned in season one, episode one of our podcast, um, 
and we're a big proponents on it. I know Kevin talked about it in one of the later episodes in that same season, which was, um, you know, your, your employees, uh, your coworkers, whoever, your teammates are also resources in this game. And so yeah. their own interests and, and passions in a given distribution channel um, likely will shape where you, you you go and the success you see within those channels. If they love Reddit, then you know let them flourish on Reddit it, as long as you yeah. know that your audience is there. If it's yeah. if you only have one channel, then uh, well, <laughs> maybe you don't have that luxury. But in general, I would say yeah, 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 definitely. I think that it's a it's definitely an important factor, and I think you're right. There's there's some of that like whether it's your you know, founder or CEO that's going to do some of that. And then, you know, some of them are extremely comfortable on Twitter and some aren't. And uh, so, yeah, I do think there's sort of that personal comfort level that becomes a factor of that too. Um, but, you know, one of the things to get a little more tactical, I think that that makes sense from sort of the high level on, on benefits and, and how to understand where to distribute. But um, when it comes to like really breaking down whether it's like a blog post or maybe you have a, a webinar or, or some sort of other uh, piece of content that could be broken down into smaller pieces to be able to be distributed and repurposed. Um, you know, what, like, what is the sort of a scalable process for how to do that? Yeah. Um, so as a scalable process for breaking down content, I generally break into, uh, I guess, two types of content, which is, how to break down video content, how to break down written content. Um, either way, the first step's kind of the same. Like, let's scale out, let's look at it from a thousand foot view. If you've got your writing content, then you're probably gonna look at your headings. That could be your H2s, your H3s, your H4s. Um, and those will function as, as prompts, really. Um, you're probably gonna change those headers to be more hooks so that they grab a, a writer's attention or they position you or they speak to the audience that you want them to. Um, if you're using video content, then I like to use our timestamps, um, mm. something like this, like where where do the key you know, conversations start, that kind of stuff to help guide that shorter breakdown. Um, a lot of times I'm looking for lists. So if in this conversation there's a, there's a part of the conversation where we're making lists, like I'm doing right now. Um, I'm looking for those to become repurposed content. Um, you can do this for your written content if you're looking at like an H2 and you've got nested H3s underneath that are sort of sure. more specific. So those lists can become Twitter threads. Um, they can make nice checkmark uh, lists on LinkedIn that people like to engage with and, and kind of see. And then I think the last part of that is really filling out and formatting. Um, so if you have your, your list, you're going to want to like add the most important part to each section. I think yep. what you fill in or grab, you can kind of copy and paste body content in. And then from there, just simplify. Get rid yep. of any of the you know redundant sentences. Um, someone was just talking about this, but they use get rid of the sentences that essentially say like water is wet, that are, like they act as filler. Um, yeah. I think that's good advice. And then, you know, if you're doing a social post, break those up into smaller sentences um, and, you know, space things out appropriately. Use an emoji or two if that's within your brand guidelines, that kind of thing. 
yeah. uh, just kind of structuring for what's best. Uh, on LinkedIn, 40-minute video is probably not as successful as that minute and a half or two-minute long snippet. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, certainly on the written content side, being able to look to a lot of that existing formatting for the cues. Um, with that, I mean, would you say, I mean, obviously every piece of content will be different, but like if you're thinking about a, a blog post, maybe it's 1500, 2000 words, like, do you think you can get two or three social posts from that? Like six, seven, like 20, like what, what's kind of a, what's, what's the potential to like really exp uh, explore for a single piece before you kind of move on to something else? I, I think in part it has to do with your experience within that industry or like how inspired you are. But very honestly, like I think you can get five to 10 social posts without doing much work at all that are going to be like meaty, really like, I think highly effective and engaging. Yeah. Um, but the more head headers you have in a piece of content, like a blog post, and we just did a piece on this. So we have a, a LinkedIn and Twitter post on our website, uh, well, blog post on our website about doing this that I do recommend checking out. But um, from one blog post, like I was able to create 55 social posts and I don't think any of them were like lacking. Um, yeah. You know, they, they can be full of richness. I think when you're taking these types of scalable techniques, the technique itself is scalable and provides almost a template for repeatedly doing such things. Um, but like any given template, like you're gonna need to manipulate it in order to like improve engagement with it. If you're just straight up copying and pasting, you're kind of wasting your own time and your audience's time. They're gonna yep. feel a little bit like you're just saying things into the void of that social network, especially. Um, yeah. Versus, and, and like part of that, I, I mentioned on LinkedIn in a conversation the other day, like write your hooks last. Right. So yep. maybe you can copy and paste and template everything else. But that hook, if it really draws people in, then that distribution is, is going to work better and, and draw that engagement. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that makes, makes a lot of sense. So as I say this, that's sort of if you've got content on the back burner, right? Like that's in a way to approach existing content and a, and a repurposing of that. But I think next it, it would be probably good to go into, you know, how should people approach repurposing and making sure they're repurposing both their new content and their existing content? Yeah, I think there's, so one, I think on the, the new content side, you know, it's a, it's a great practice to get into that you are thinking about distribution before you even create the content. Um, and, with that, I would say that should definitely be just something you figure out how to bake into your your process, whether that's like in the content brief before it gets written or you have a, a process that is the step after it goes live. Um, you kind of know generally what you're going to do uh, beforehand, but then like flesh out the, the strategy once it's live. So I would say from a new content perspective, it needs to be built into your process. If it's not built into your process, it probably won't happen. Um, and so that's something that should be happening up front uh, at the very least, you know, 
immediately after if you need more context of where the content lands. Uh, and that should be, again, true for not just blog content, but like videos or webinars or anything. Like you should know how you plan to distribute and repurpose stuff beforehand. Um, and then similarly, like you, you have to have a process for going back to old content. So it's very, you know, people talk a lot about like getting on the treadmill or the hamster wheel or whatever of, of creating new content and you never go back to your old content. And uh, you know, we talked uh, in the last episode about like, re like updating and refreshing existing content, uh, largely from a search perspective, but there's also just um, a ton of content that you've, you've spent time creating that you should be spending time distributing. So if you, if you're it's like today, you already have a 150 blog posts on your site and you're gonna you know, keep going, you have an opportunity to build it into your process for new stuff moving forward, but you also, it, the, the past is not lost. You can also go back from a, a different one, go you know check out a section of it or an old webinar and break it up and, and repurpose it that way too. So um, I think that you need to have a separate process for each. You should be doing both uh, planning for new and going back to, to old. And then lastly, I would say there's over time, uh, it's maybe not always as clear as you're building in real time and like building the, the distribution plan up front. But uh, when you do look back and you have more resources, you've done some webinars, blog posts, you have some videos, um, there's some really cool ways to consolidate uh, multiple resources into something new. And so you were able to kind of take something and um, whatever, you can call it the like, um, uh, you know, whatever, customer retention toolkit or something. And you grab all of your blog posts and videos and webinars that you've done that are all great on the topic of you know retaining customers put it together into one and now you've packaged a lot of of past stuff into something new so i think there's a lot there that, that happens that but it, you do have to be intentional about your processes for each uh, and make sure that you're doing both absolutely and i think that that intentionality comes down to like resources and time like you mentioned before um yeah because we spend a decent amount of time even thinking about this podcast and, okay, what's yeah. going into this episode? Um, you know, what things do we need to cover and talk about that? And then to your last point of consolidating, like if it, you could do this to any podcast, but you know, if you look at this season and how it's building, you can imagine a resource that includes, you know, some fragment of every episode we're talking about on yep. how to build a SaaS content program. So yep. yeah, ab absolutely. I think those are, that, you know, great piece of advice. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely something that I think you just kind of learn over time. Uh, I know there's you know some some good resources and and courses and stuff that that can kind of help give you a framework for this. But um, again, it kind of goes back to contextualizing what you're doing with um, the resources that you have and the the channels that you're working in. Um, to really understand what makes sense for you and, and how you do it. So um, I don't think it's like you have to have this, you know, spend a lot of time building this brilliant distribution repurposing strategy before you can get started. It's like, just do it. I mean, I've even done that um, in, when we've had kind of a lull in uh, creating our own blog content, uh, but wanted to continue to kind of like push uh, and, and promote the, the good content that we created 
um, I was amazed at how much I, you know, the more I was forced to keep going back to the existing content because we didn't have that, the more creative I became and, and more ideas that I had on how to, to change it. And then even with you stepping into the marketing role uh, and having some ideas around like, well, I think we could build a, a nice video summary of each of these posts. And so it's, it's definitely a, a learning process and an evolution that, that just happens over time. So um, yeah, I, th I think that's a, a great addition. Um, I think it's important though, that we kind of shift a little bit um, because one thing that I don't think companies are, have as good of a handle on and, uh, and there's probably just isn't as much information out there on this is like, we all get, you know, creating blog content, seeing organic impressions and traffic and conversions and whatnot. Um, and we kind of understand like general social metrics, but like, I don't think there's a real clear, widely accepted understanding of like how you look at like metrics for content distribution. I think that varies uh, pretty wildly, whether that's podcast downloads or social engagement or whatever it might be. So I uh, would love to kind of hear some of your thoughts on like what you're looking at uh, from a distribution metric standpoint. Yeah, um, I think I sort of look at it as a as like a flow of metrics or a system of metrics that are all working together. Um, and it's very much a relativity game. So my, my kind of like three buckets that I put this process in is I want to look at frequency metrics, I want to look at engagement metrics, and then I want to look at directional metrics. Um, frequency being what we've kind of talked about this entire time, which is like, how much material do we have and how often are we distributing? Um, and this is sort of just validating that we are in fact doing that. Um, it's also ensuring that it gets on the content calendar. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you know that this new piece of content is coming out, something like a podcast episode, the next episode won't be out for another two weeks, maybe a month. Um, then I'm going to make sure that I've got this distributed short video content around that podcast, you know, being distributed on LinkedIn four times, for example, before that next one comes out. Um, and then having like some that's like prepping the next episode, that kind of thing. But you're distributing both the idea and the piece of content. Yeah. Um, so the frequency part is, is key. That's sort of just measuring that we're doing it. Engagement um, is similar to how you kind of measure any type of social or distribution, like email, something like that, um, which is I want to look at, you know, is this getting likes even better? Is this getting comments? Um, and then is this getting shares or retweets and amplification are kind of the big engagement metrics that I like to look at no matter what platform I'm on. Yeah. And then I think within that engagement, you're either using a tool or an eye test, um, a spreadsheet to kind of gauge, is this engagement close to or near where we're usually at um, as a way to sort of allow you some idea of, oh, this is resonating with the audience that I wanted to. Um, in a way that I want it to. And I think that bleeds nicely into then directional. Um, for the best illustration of directional I can think of is usually around email. Like these are your customers who signed up very intentionally to keep getting information from you. So when they like to click on a certain type of content, 
um, and you sort of get those metrics that say, we want more of this, that allows us to then optimize our content calendar and continue to feed in, whether it's that topic or it's that style of content. Uh, but that's how I would bucket your metrics. There's a looseness going on, but all of them are, are very important in, in helping you make decisions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, I think the frequency um, aspect is really important. I think just generally companies are more likely to track metrics around the results of things, whether that's like traffic or shares or anything like that, but not not as much around like their actual output or like things happening internally um, tracking that. So I think the frequency is really interesting because also if you think about it from a your audience perspective, if you, let's say you are publishing six blog posts a month and each one you share one time on social, is that any different to your audience than you publishing one blog post per month and publishing it six different six different insights from that on social you know from the from the audience perspective they're maybe seeing a little more variety in like the topics of each blog post if you're doing six but uh, you're definitely providing deeper insights into that one uh, by doing six on one so I think that's a really interesting way to, to track the frequency and then certainly love the directional idea as well that um, once your audience is larger, uh, you can really get some of those those learnings from your audience and, and what to do from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, I think uh, a, a good way to, to maybe wrap up this conversation would be to talk about like some common mistakes or pitfalls that companies tend to make around content distribution. Yeah, there's you know a number. I'm sure we could come up with with even more. A few of the common mistakes with content distribution that we see. Um, one I would say is post just posting the link to the entire blog, whether that's like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever it might be. But just sort of like here's the link, go read it. Uh, is is not really much of a hook. You're really really banking on that the headline or the topic being so relevant to them that they have to go read it. Um, and so I think that's a mistake because you're, you're missing an opportunity to uh, pull out some of the more interesting aspects of it, uh, hook them with that, and then they're more interested to go read the rest of it. Um, so that's one. Um, not creating evergreen content, I think, starts a little bit more back at the strategy level, but when you don't have content that's evergreen, it's, it's very timely or um, a one-off, I think, that you just... There's not as much you can do, especially with what we talked about before, going back to older stuff um, just does not work as well from a distribution standpoint. Um, focusing too much on one channel, I think, obviously we talked earlier about like, you want to kind of understand what your channels are and you want to focus and you don't want to try to do it all. Uh, but I think there's a balance in, in being overly dependent on one channel, uh, I think can typically be um, a, a downside or, or a mistake. Um, that like making assumptions that other that your audience has the necessary context uh, I think is a is a problem so um, if there's a lot of context in a piece of content and you don't 
properly extract that and include in whatever snippet you're sharing or whatever uh if you video clip out of a webinar like you need to kind of set it up a little bit to give the right context for that um that uh, clip or whatever to to really make sense so i think um not considering that when you're you're posting stuff or sharing is important um and then the big one that we talked about before is just treating content distribution as an afterthought um i think is 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 certainly a mistake because it's it's something that needs to be planned ahead of time. So, um, yeah. Any other mistakes or anything you would you would add to that? I think the the one that I see, and it gets talked about more and more, which I, I'm glad to see, it sort of relates back to like posting a link to an entire blog post. Um, I think when you're distributing content and you're on a separate channel, there are times when it will be appropriate, and this is probably just a frequency thing, to even prompt people like build out a, a post that might hook them to read your blog post but then sometimes just leaving that link off entirely like let that content be repurposed distributed and live on that social platform without asking someone to go somewhere else yeah um as as perfectly like perfectly reasonable way for you know a community building <laughs> environment to exist um, yep so I think that's that's the only big one I would add add there that I see with content distribution, other than just not doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, so yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um, lots we covered in terms of you know, the benefits of distribution, how to pick channels, um, you know, framework for you know breaking uh, stuff down in a scalable way, uh, and also you know a number of other things, including mistakes that we see uh, commonly made. So. Uh, lots there again. Uh, the rest of or the all the previous episodes of season two, I would recommend checking out if you kind of all, all the stuff leading up to this. And um, outside of that, I would say uh, please you know like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Um, make sure you can get the future episodes. And uh, visit tenspeed.io/podcast. Uh, you can see all the season two episodes as well as season one, where we had a number of, of interviews from uh, some guests across the content marketing world. Uh, so uh, check those out, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. See you later. <laughs>